You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Uh, this has been a brand new year. If you're new with us, uh, we've been talking about vision for this year. And my heart really is to, to see us be ready for the Lord's return. Uh, you don't have to look very far in the news to be able to see there's a lot going on in the Middle East. There's a lot going on in the world that we're living in. And Jesus said that before he comes, things are going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and so even though I'm not saying he'll return this year, I mean, he can return at any time. That's what the New Testament church believed. And so we should be ready for his return whenever that may come. So we've been talking about being ready for his return, ready to pray, ready to follow his word, ready to give, ready to serve. And this week, I'll be talking about ready for life's challenges. How many know that life can be challenging? I'm sure I'm not breaking anything new to you, am I? It's like, so then you come to church to say, I wonder what life's about. And Pastor Dan says, life is full of challenges. And you're like, oh, right. Life is full of challenges. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, it just seems like when you're a Christian, it's more so. You feel like there's a lot more challenges that you might face. Jesus uh, challenges us that when we are to follow him, one of the things that he says is that, you know, to, to be a Christian, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, what that means is that, you know, to follow Jesus is not a passive thing. To follow Jesus is not something that you kind of do as a side hobby. It's a way of life, and it's dying to my own uh, desires. It's des- dying to my own will, and it's saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, and I follow what your word says, and I take it seriously. Jesus even said to his, you know, the crowds that were following him, he says, you know, narrow is the gate, and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and few are those who find it. And so he's saying, my way and my word is like a narrow gate. It's almost like, uh, you know, if you're trying to get through a passageway, and the passageway can only fit one person at a time, and you kind of open that gate and you kind of just basically get, barely get through it. He says, that's what it's like to follow me compared to with what the world is following right now. The world is following their own way and their own path, and there's many different ideas out there. And so it's like a, a giant highway, a broad road that everybody's kind of speeding um, beyond the speed limit, but it's leading to destruction and separation from God. It's not an easy road to be a follower of Jesus, and to be a disciple of Jesus is not an easy task. Will you turn with me to John chapter 15 today? My hope today is to be able to encourage you. I mean, my hope every week is to encourage you, honestly. But this week in particular, you know, that we are going to go through challenges and that we shouldn't think it as though it's a strange thing when we do. You know, sometimes if you grew up in church, you might think to yourself that I should never go through bad things because God is with me. I, I serve God. I follow God, right? So bad things shouldn't happen to me at all. But if you follow the Lord for any period of time, you know that that's not an accurate biblical view of life. It's just not. That, that you will face challenges as you go through this life. The difference is that you have the Lord with you in those challenges, and in spite of those challenges, he can bring and overshadow and oversee things that, and bring about a breakthrough in your life that you couldn't have had on your own. 
And so sometimes there are people that when they go through that, it's, it's because they don't have a good understanding of who God is, is that Jesus talks about, you know, when you follow me, there's going to be challenges and there's going to be trouble on the count of my sake. Because you're following me, you're going to encounter difficulty. And I think that kind of plays into the narrow road idea and the narrow gate is that, you know, when you start following him and things get difficult, sometimes people are inclined to, you know, leave because like, well, this is not what I signed up for. The truth is that sometimes we, we sell people on following God as though everything is going to be great all the time and God's good all the time, but sometimes life is not always great all the time. So sometimes we sell people a bill of goods that isn't reality at all. God promised he would be with us. Now, to give you a little background on this, uh, is that um, chapter 15 starts with the idea of abiding in Jesus. It talks about the vine and the branches. To abide in Jesus means that you uh, live with him, that you stay close to Jesus no matter what. Your relationship with Jesus is essential as you go through life's challenges. The context of chapters 13 through 16 in John have to do with Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper before he goes to Gethsemane, before his eventual arrest and death and resurrection. So we're seeing that he's encouraging his disciples, he's giving them some instructions, he's telling them what to expect in the days ahead, and so he lays everything out for them. He also tells them about his plans, about going to the cross, and he talks about going to the Father. So he's also talking about his departure from this world and the hope that they have in spite of that. So before we get into the word today, can we just take a moment and pray and ask him to bless this time? So Lord, we thank you for your word, and I pray that it would be life and encouragement to those who hear it. Lord, help me to proclaim it clearly and help our hearts be open to receive it. I pray in Jesus' name. Take a look at John 15, verses 18 through 25 first, and then we'll later look at 26 and 27. He says, the wor- if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, then the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master if they persecuted me they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, underline that, not because they're doing it because they don't like you, they're doing it because of the name that you represent. Think about that. Because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, then they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But they have seen and also have hated me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law, they hated me without a cause. Now that's not exactly the most encouraging passage of scripture that you'll read this week, is it? It's not one that you'll sit down in your devotional times, man, it just speaks to me so much. It just nourishes my soul, how Jesus said, that they hated me and they're going to hate you. That's, a, that's not a promise that you hold on to. I'm holding on to that promise, you know. Jesus, they said they were going to hate me as they hate you. I'm just holding on to that promise. It's not a devotional reading that you kind of go, oh, this is really great stuff. This is the kind you kind of like, when do I get to the next part, right? 
kind of flipping through it. But we have to take God's word fully, entirely, all that he says, in order to understand what it truly means to be a disciple. Now, I'm not one of those people that says, I'm, I'm looking forward to suffering. I've met Christians that they're downright miserable. Maybe you've met one or two yourself. Don't look at anybody in this room if they're here, okay? But sometimes Christians can be downright miserable, and all they talk about is, I gotta suffer. They get their teeth grit, I gotta suffer. And like, I don't believe that that's our full portion there. Jesus is just letting us know that as we walk with him in his spirit and his truth, as we see the blessings of the Father at work in our life, God will do some truly amazing things in your life. You know, seeing answers to prayer, seeing God's provision, seeing God encourage people, lift people up, it's those things that keep you going in midst of the hardship and difficulty you face. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see it's a mixture of God's miraculous power on display and persecution and hardship and disciples being beaten and killed. And and so in the midst of all those other things, there's the sovereign, powerful hand of God at work among his people and among the world that they're living in that fully transformed and changed the world. That's our portion in him to walk in his spirit, to see his blessings of his hand at work among mankind, but also to recognize there are going to be times that people don't like that. People don't like the Jesus that you represent. Why is it so hard to follow Jesus? Because he said the world would hate you because of your association with me. To be hated by the world means that you're in close association with Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about being hated because you're annoying, that's different, okay? You can be annoying and not be a Christian. It's very true. We know annoying Christians. We know annoying non-Christians. Sometimes people look at persecution as like, well, it's because I'm a Christian. No, sometimes it's because you're annoying. <laughs> I hate to be the one to break it to you, but sometimes somebody's got to do it. But it's through our association with Christ. To be hated by the world means that you are closely walking with Jesus, and people recognize that. Jesus was the embodiment of God's love and grace, yet there were people that absolutely hated him. From the time he started doing miracles and preaching against the status quo, the religious leaders of his time plotted for ways to kill him. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you because you follow me. There's going to be times where the people of the world are going to hate you because you're a Christian. The world hates Jesus for claiming to be the only way to heaven instead of being one of many ways. The world hates Christians because they speak out against sin. The world hates Christians because they hold to ideals and the morals of Scripture in an increasingly corrupt culture. They think that we are out of touch and should change with the times. They hate our unwavering devotion that we have to faith and truth. Sometimes your own family will dislike you, argue with you, fight with you because you're a Christian and they aren't. Sometimes you'll even find contention between you as a devoted Christian and them as a nominal Christian. Listen, we're in the New England states. You know, there's a strong uh, uh, attachment to being religious, and there are religious people that hate fanatical, devoted, faithful Christians. 
They're saying, you know what, you need to back it up a little bit. You're taking this a little too seriously. You know, you're going to church again. You're reading the Bible again. You're praying again. You're giving again. Why, why can't you just come occasionally to church instead of being there regularly? What is wrong with you? Families, members don't understand the change that has taken place in you when you became a Christian. They see that you don't do certain things anymore. You don't get drunk. You don't swear. You don't lose your temper. You don't do a lot of the things that they used to do before. And even though those things are good things and they make your family better, they're so used to the dysfunction that they don't know what to do with the new you. Let's be honest, they don't know what to do with you. It's like, I knew what to do when they always lose their temper all the time. I knew what to do with him when he was drunk all the time, but I don't know what to do with him now that he's this different person. And it creates some tension, to be sure. This is what Jesus meant when he said he didn't come to bring peace but a sword, and that sword would divide families to the point that brother would turn against brother and children against parents. And if you're not ready for that, then you're going to find being a Christian being challenging. It's going to be hard. Jesus says disciples would suffer persecution for his sake. Some of the types of persecution that Jesus talked about were in Mark chapter 10. He talked about people, disciples being uh, put in prison, being beaten, uh, you know, to renounce their faith, having to move from place to place because of persecution, being put to death just for being a Christian. Slander and accusations against them that aren't even true. And the disciples in the early church, they understood this. They understood that to be a Christian meant that they could possibly suffer for being a Christian. And they understood it, and even though they weren't looking forward to it, they understood that it could happen. And if it did happen to them, you have these weird passages of Scripture where in uh, Acts chapter 4 when the disciples are, are, James and John are beaten, for, for sharing the gospel and healing, they went away rejoicing for being counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Now, I don't know about you, I would not be rejoicing after a beating. You know, I didn't rejoice over it when I was a kid. I don't rejoice over it as an adult. Sometimes when you think you see somebody, you're like, I could take that person, but I just know that one punch and I'd be down. I'm pretty sure about that. So, but when you think about, like, persecution and suffering, it's like, to be beaten for the cause of Christ. You're like, I don't know if I could handle that. But they went away rejoicing. They understood it was a possibility. It doesn't mean that they went around looking for trouble, but instead they recognized that sometimes trouble would become looking for them. Challenges and difficulties should not surprise us. Jesus told us it would happen. He said if it happened to him, it would happen to us. The, uh, the apostle Peter one of Jesus' closest disciples, in his letter says this about persecution. It's 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. And he writes this, and he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar that you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Peter says, don't think it's strange 
when you go through these things. But as you share in Jesus' sufferings, you will also share in his glory. Why? Because there's an affinity with Christ. We talked about association with Christ, and maybe I'm making up the points as I go here. I don't know. I like A words, you know, words that kind of have all the same letters together, but here we go. Uh, so there's that association with the Christ, but there's an affinity with Christ here as well. Because if you ever thought for a moment that you've gone through something and that the Lord doesn't understand, all you need to do is to look back to his life here on this earth. When he preached, when he healed, when he ministered, we see that he went through various things, hard things as well. You've ever been hungry and done without? Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry. Have you ever grieved the loss of someone? The scriptures don't mention Joseph after the birth narrative, but it's generally believed that at some point in time, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, died, and they had to mourn the loss of a father. Have you ever been betrayed by someone? Has someone who was close to you ever betrayed you, maybe you went into business with them, maybe you uh, had plans with them and they took the money and ran or they, you gave them a, a, put your confidence in them, you shared something very close to you and they went and told that to somebody else or maybe you loved someone, cared about them and they turned their back on you and, and hurt you in one of the worst possible ways. If you know betrayal, know that Jesus experienced betrayal. Sometimes we look at things and we don't think that Jesus knows what that's like. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever uh, wanted to be accepted by people and, and to be loved by people? And just like, I just want to have friends. I just want to, you know, be, be welcomed by others. And, and people rejected you and turned you away and, and, and treated you like you were nothing. Jesus was the embodiment of the love and grace of God. And people said, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. There's an association with Christ. In other words, as we go through sufferings, we should remember that Jesus went through them too, and it brings us closer to him. Many times our prayers and our difficulty as we go through hardship is that, God, how could you possibly understand? How could you know heartbreak? How could you know, like, how could you know what I'm going through? And then we remember that Jesus, as he's riding to Jerusalem, you know, getting ready for that week before he dies, that triumphal entry, and it says that he's weeping over the city and the people that had turned away from him and that rejected him. He knows heartbreak. So when you go through it, know that he's gone through it. Know that you can bring anything that you've been through to Jesus and he will understand. Instead, we sometimes keep our, our struggles, our trials, our difficulties, our challenges to ourselves because we don't want to burden God and we don't want to burden other people. But that's why God created the church to share one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and that Christ is also our burden bearer. Each experience of suffering we go through should bring us closer to Jesus because we're reminded that Jesus went through those things too. Peter even goes on to say, if you suffer, make sure you suffer for the right things, not the wrong things. And if you do suffer for the cause of Christ, if you do suffer for his name, if you go through challenges because you're a Christian, uh, know that by doing so, you are giving God glory and glorifying his name. The Lord will always bless those who confess his name before men in the face of persecution and will reward it in the sight of the Father in heaven. 
even though we have this understanding, it doesn't mean that these challenges don't hurt. When family and friends reject you, when they call you a fanatic or a religious nut, when people falsely accuse you, when people turn against you and betray you, when people who were once considered friends are no longer there for you, when these things happen, they hurt. When prayers go unanswered, when we mourn and grieve the loss of someone close to us that has died too soon, when we, when we um, think that we're making progress and we think that we're hearing from God and then all of a sudden life hits us hard and we take a few steps back, sometimes we're inclined to think that he's not there for us and that sometimes it's in, we're inclined to think that we're the only one going through it. And that these challenges mean that God's not with us. But it's challenging when you try and do things for God. And then when you try and do those things that he asks you to do, instead of people being happy that you're doing them and glad that you're doing them, some people say, well, you're doing it out of the wrong motive. Or you're doing it because you think you're better than somebody else. Or when you're looking for volunteers and there's no volunteers around, and you might think to yourself, God, did you really tell me to do this? Can I tell you that even if no one else goes with you, if the Lord told you to do it, be obedient to him even if no one else is following. Because at least the Lord will know that he has one person listening and following, and that's you. Be the person that listens and follows even when the crowd doesn't. Don't think it's strange when these things happen. Don't think it's strange when the minute you start getting serious about God that it seems like all hell breaks loose in your family or things that happen that are difficult at work or all of a sudden financial trials hit you because you know what the, the enemy's trying to do? He's trying to say, see, there's no difference between following God. They said your life would get better and look, your life's getting worse. So you don't need to really follow God. Just, it's, it's, it's all nonsense. And it's the resistance, it's the difficulty where your faith is being tested. But on the other side of that testing, when you stay faithful to God and trust him, is where you'll see him come through in different ways and you'll never doubt God in that way again. When you've been in need and you poured out your heart to the Lord for a need, it's like, Lord, we have this bill that we can't pay and you pray and Lord, we gotta meet this need and the need gets met. You didn't have to to coerce anybody. You didn't have to ask somebody, and the check comes across your doorstep. That's God's provision. You won't doubt that provision again. When you go through difficulties in your body and you need healing, I remember being sick some uh, time ago last year. It was a hard year for us. I remember sitting in, laying in my bed with a fever and just difficulties, chills in my body, and I just turned on worship, and I turned on this worship song by Elevation Worship about the power of the blood. And I just laid there and worshiped and wept. And as I, I was in that bed worshiping God, I felt the presence of God in that room with me. And within that half hour, the fever left and whatever was troubling me was gone. Because I turned to the Lord in that moment. I said, I don't have anything else but worship for you. But Lord, I'm gonna trust you through it. There's power in your worship because what you're doing in worship is you're acknowledging your dependence on God. And you're acknowledging and praising him for what he's done and what he can do again. Can I challenge you in that? Is that when you've gone through those moments and God's brought you through to the other side, you learn something about challenges and you learn something about God. I will go back to him with this now because I know I can depend upon.
Listen, if you had to do all these things by yourself, it would be overwhelming. It would be challenging. But can I share some good news with you? You don't have to go through it all yourself. The one major encouragement that Jesus gave his disciples as he was saying, I'm getting ready to leave and go back to the Father. One of the things that he encouraged them was that if he goes, he was going to send another that would help them. He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Take a look at John 15, 26 and 27. It says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Who did he say he would send? He would send the Spirit of truth who would testify of the Father. You'll notice that the conversation continues. If you flip over to chapter 16, that's the same discourse that Jesus is having as it picks up in verses 7 through 15. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you'll see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The promise that God gives is his Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity third person of the Godhead, fully God in the Spirit, that Jesus went to the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit came to be able to lead and guide. And whereas the disciples who no longer have a Jesus where they could run to and say, Jesus, what should we do in this situation? Whereas Jesus was limited by time and space being of this earth, the Holy Spirit is not limited in any way, shape, or form because we are worshiping here on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. here in Southwick, Massachusetts, and there's people worshiping all over the entire world, and that same Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once, ministering, speaking, and encouraging hearts throughout. That is the, the marvelous gift that Jesus gave when he left. He says, it's to your advantage that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Where is that Holy Spirit? It says that when we receive salvation... The Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. Every believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit when they decide to follow Jesus. Now, the degree of how much you allow the Holy Spirit at work within you is up to every individual. Some don't let him work at all. Some just kind of take that kernel of salvation, and that's it. But you have at your disposal the third person of the Trinity who is abiding with you and helping you walk with Jesus. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be three things. You can write these things down. You might even know them. You've probably heard it preached before. You probably don't even need my help. But if you haven't heard it before, write these things down. Three things that the Holy Spirit would be. First and foremost, he would be our comforter. Comforter. He said to the disciples, I know that you're overwhelmed with grief because I've said to you I'm leaving. But here's the comfort. That even though I'm not going to be there, the Holy Spirit will be with you, so I will be with you always. 
Not just when things get bad, not just when things are good, not just when the worship's good, not just when the preaching's good, not just when your favorite song comes on the radio, on the Q99.7, whatever you listen to, not just because you had a good day at work. God isn't just present with you during that time. He's present with you always because he abides in you. So the comfort that we have is that he's with us. When you feel like you're alone in your suffering and your trial, he's with you. When it feels like the answers to prayer aren't coming, he's with you. When you're in your darkest moment, I want to encourage you today that he is with you. When you feel ashamed and you feel like there's no grace available for you, I want you to know that he's still with you and available to you. That is the comfort that we have in Christ is that we are not alone. You will never, ever be alone walking with Jesus. That should be our comfort. Secondly, he'll be our teacher. It says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, that he will not speak of himself, but rather he'll point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit should always point people to Jesus. In our times of worship and when when times where God's presence is here, it's not just to make us feel good. It's to point us to Jesus and help us follow him more closely. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He will teach us things through the trial that you go through, through the difficulty you go through. Sometimes we keep going around and around the same problem. Ever been there? Sometimes we keep running around the same tree like a dog that's on a tether. And around and around we go. He keeps running faster, keeps running harder, but guess what? He's still around that tree. It's kind of like this. It's like if you fail a grade, you have to go back and take it again until you learn the lessons and pass, right? Am I right? It's true in our spiritual life is that sometimes we're taking that course for the third or fourth time. And until we learn from the Spirit what we need to change in ourselves, we will always keep going around in circles over and over again. Sometimes God needs to teach you things about yourself that you need to change. Sometimes God needs to teach you about the kind of people that you're around that may be a detriment to you and not contributing to your growth. Sometimes he might need to teach you about things that you need to know that you didn't know before. Anytime we sit down in the Word, God's going to teach us If we ask him to, he will give us insight concerning his word. He is our teacher. God wants to teach you through the situations. I remember a couple weeks back, and I was thinking to myself how rotten a year last year was. Like, my wife went through, she almost died like six times last year. I'm not even kidding with you. And I'm like, that was a hard year. That was an awful year. And then I sat and reflected. Someone, a, a pastor friend taught me about the, the purpose of reflection and to reflect on things. And we're sometimes only drawn to either the really good or the really bad. But as I reflected upon it, I recognized that some good things happened last year. Great things happened with my kids. Some things we were praying for happened. Some, some needs that we had met were provided for unexpectedly and graciously. What a wonderful thing that was. As I did our, our annual report for the for the church, I realized that we had, we had 15 people come to Christ last year. You know, we had four baptized. We had like six baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, that was a crappy year last year. How dare I? But why do I say that to you, church? I say that because if you focus only on the challenge, 
you focus only on how you suffered, you'll miss how he blessed you. I encourage you, go back and reflect upon what God did in your day or in your last year. You'll see there's glimpses of where he was present all along. He will teach you, even through your challenges, even through your difficulties. The third and final thing is that he is our helper and our advocate. What does a helper do? A helper doesn't just simply go, hey, you need help with that? I'll see you later. No, the helper goes, let me carry that burden for you. What does an advocate do? He speaks up on your behalf when you can't speak up. When we pray in the spirit, we know that we don't know what we're saying, but God does, right? He is our advocate. He is interceding for us. We know that he is by our side to help us throughout the difficulty we face. Jesus even said, like, when you go before persecution, when, you, when you're brought before rulers and leaders and they, they tell you to renounce Christ and they tell you to, to stop doing what you're doing, he says the Holy Spirit will help you by giving you what to say and what to do in those situations, even for your family, even for the, the people that you care about. Let me challenge you today that the Lord will give you what you need to say and when to say it if you don't know what to do and when to do it. Because he is our helper, he is our advocate. It's the Holy Spirit that also helps us when we speak God's word. You know, Scripture just talked about, you know, that when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're trying to convict the world and convince the world with our own words. But when we speak the gospel message, it says the Holy Spirit's job is to bring conviction And he'll help people to realize their need for Christ and their need for salvation. It's him that will do it. It's him that will bring people to a place of recognizing they need salvation and they need him. We have to trust God. I was reading today, in today's reading, is that the sower sows a seed, he goes to bed, and when he wakes up, it sprouts. But he doesn't know anything about what happened. He just knows that he sowed the seed. Our job is to sow the seed and let the Spirit do the work in someone's life. The Holy Spirit can bring about change. The Holy Spirit can help you. When you face challenges, you might even wonder if people are listening, if what you're saying is doing is even making a difference. But with the Spirit's help, we can make a difference, and it will all be worth it in the end. The truth of the matter is is that he's looking for us to represent his name and to give glory and honor to him, to testify of him. What greater testimony is there when a person goes through challenges and comes through with peace and confidence and grace and poise, and people say, how in the world did you do that? And you say, it's not me. It's the work of Christ in me that helps me to stand before you. I would be wrecked right now if it weren't for Jesus. And people would say, like, wow, you know, that's amazing. How, how do you, and you can testify, and when you're testifying, it's like Jesus said, you are glorifying him. Final verse of scripture, I'm going to ask Kathy to come and play the guitar as we get ready to close here. John 16, verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. I apologize. But Jesus said that. You'll have troubles. And there are times in life where we have more troubles than uh, usual. 
But you know what? He says, do not lose heart. Do not lose faith. Take heart for I've overcome the world. Not you've overcome the world, but that Christ has overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you face challenges, sometimes it robs you of peace. We wonder where God is and if we're serving him correctly and if we're going through this because we did something wrong. But just the fact that you care about that shows that you're trying to walk with Jesus. People who don't care about Jesus don't think about those things. Can I challenge you with that? Like if you're worried about like, what does Jesus think? You're a believer. Got news for you. Like, if you're worried about, like, hey, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I following God? Means that you have a desire to follow Him. The world doesn't think that way. A backslidden person doesn't think that way. But a person who genuinely wants to follow Christ is thinking about, Lord, how can I better serve you? What can I do for you? Listen, we're in a challenging world. The world and the devil are working hard against us. That's the cause of our difficulties, but Jesus reassured his disciples that he overcame the world, and because he did, you can. When you have troubles and challenges in this world, don't focus on them. Focus on Jesus. Remember John 15. He starts it by talking about, abide in me, live in me, walk with me, have fellowship with me. Then he talks about the troubles, and he says, oh, by the way, you won't have to do this by yourself. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit to help you. It's, he's at your disposal. So I wonder if we could just take a moment and close our eyes and bow our heads. I just want to ask you a question. Some of you, I know your story. Some of you, I don't. But we all face challenges. We sometimes look at people around us, sometimes fellow believers, sometimes members of our church, and we say, it doesn't look like they have any problems. They're so fortunate. They're so blessed. Can I share a little secret with you? They face challenges too. They're just very quiet about it. We all go through moments of our life where we feel as though God's not with us, or we feel like things are going sideways. But what will you do with the challenges you face? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling discouraged? Do you feel like giving up today? And that's where you're at today. I want you to know that the Lord is able to give you comfort. And if you'd say, Pastor Dan, today, pray for me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm discouraged. I need God's grace at work in my life. With no one looking around, in this moment just between us and him, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm feeling those things that you said. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Another couple moments here. If you're feeling discouraged and you're in need of prayer, just lift a hand. Then let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to us that we might abide and walk and live in I pray today, Lord God, for each person that lifted a hand this morning about being discouraged and overwhelmed. Father, sometimes the challenges are, seem like they're too great for us. But Lord, you have given us the ability to handle it because you are with us. When we are weak, you are strong. When we are needy, Lord God, we should be dependent upon you. Help us to bring everything that we are facing to you in prayer. 
and to talk to another believer to find encouragement. Help us to realize that we're not meant to try and do this alone and do this in our own strength, but that you are there to help us. So Lord, work in our hearts, work in our lives. I pray for a turnaround. I pray for a blessing. I pray for a breakthrough in every situation. Let your will be done in each situation and may we see progress in those areas we pray. In Jesus' name, and if you agree with me today, say amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.